Hey guys, welcome back to Shades of Brilliance. I'm your host, Sierra Venable. And if you're new here, Shades of Brilliance is all about authenticity, creative direction, personal growth, popular culture. In each episode, we share the highs and lows and the anecdotes from forging a career in this really tough industry of creative. We dissect what that even means. What does it mean to have a marketing career? What does it mean to make money as an artist? So all the things are discussed here. And I believe that everybody is creative. So even if you are not in marketing, I believe that you are building a life. So we are all innately creative. And that's kind of the point of this podcast. Today, I'm introducing you to the first person I met at fashion school. This is really big. This is like the hallmark moment, my first friend. And I should say that he's the most memorable person I met at fashion school, truly. He's an Aquarius. He's from San Diego. And I find that San Diegans, and yes, that's the proper term. I learned that today. San Diegans have a really good perception of LA. They're not phased by the LA BS. So I think I clung to him in certain ways in my journey because I was so new. I kind of had stars in my eyes when I moved to LA, but I kind of didn't. And he was kind of like my North Star in a lot of ways because he, he understood. He knew what was fake and what was real. So without further ado, Miguel Velasquez, welcome. Hello. How's it going? You know, it's been going. It's been going. Right. Well, we have to talk all about that. Um, how does it feel to be my first guest? You're my I, first guest. I know. It feels so honored and it feels so full circle because right. we you were the first person I met at FITM. Same. So, no, yeah. I really think we should jump into that story because... Sorry. I met you at orientation, right? Correct. And we were both running around and everybody was kind of losing their mind. I remember like everybody that was, it was hot. hot. We had lunch together. Mm -hmm. Remember on the park bench. (laughs) I don't even think I was, I think I was talking at you. I don't even think you were like really down like that. (laughs) And I think you like came up to me and you were like, are you an Aquarius? And I I did. Yeah. I went right into astrology and I was like, do you like Ariana Grande? I remember oh, asking cool. you that. Yeah. So FITM, that's yeah. really how we met. And I feel like that's kind of what my podcast is about is creativity and culture and yeah. everything. So mm-hmm. you're right. It is full circle. Very VCOM thing to do to start a podcast. Very VCOM. <laughs> Talk about visual communicating. Exactly. Um, so the first thing I want to ask you is what's your favorite color? Is there a color that you're obsessed with right now? And how is that influencing your work? Okay. So I feel like all time forever, my favorite color will be blue because of the ocean. Right. I knew you were going to say that too. Yeah, very beach boy here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've been all very overwhelmed by pink right now. Yes. Like Barbie, mm-hmm. we get it. Like pink is everywhere. So I'm just like very overwhelmed by it. Yes. But I will always love pink too. Oh, of course. Have you seen the movie Barbie? I have not seen the movie yet, surprisingly. Oh You'd think God. I'd be like one of the first people to see it, but. I cried for days. I know. I it's just, so good. You're yeah. going to love it. You're going to love it. It's it's very Barbie and there's such a good theme and it's existential. Like it's totally our vibe. Yeah. Well, I can't <laughs> wait to see it. <laughs> yes. Well, I wanted to ask you about your favorite color too, because I feel like, you know what I'm trying to do with color color and creativity. So I think it's interesting that you said you're really into blue with the ocean. I knew you were going to say that your personal branding is blue. 
Always. So all yeah. of your business cards, everything is blue. Yes. And I want to talk about like, how did you get to LA? Like how did San Diego growing up in San Diego affect mm-hmm. your perception of LA? So that's funny you ask because like, you know, I'm born and raised in San Diego and mm-hmm. they're so close to each other, but right. they are so different. Yes. Um, so, you know, growing up in San Diego, everyone just kind of hates LA because it's always been like LA versus San Diego. Really? See, I would have yeah. never thought that. Like Dodgers and Padres, you know. Right, like, right, right. It's always been like a thing. Sure. Um, and then like I came across like, you know, making the move to LA to go to fit them, to go to school. Right. And I never really knew, like I always had like a perception of LA, but like you don't really know until you live there. Sure. Because there was such a lifestyle change that like people have when they're there, you know? Right. It could be of good, course. it could be bad, it could be both. Like at first I hated it. Right. I was like Same. back to San Diego, like it's just I yeah. can't with LA. Like I've always disliked it. Uh-huh. Um and then I think, like, as I grew, like, through FITM, I was just kind of like, okay, like, I felt, you know, the diversity down LA, like, that's yeah. the most, you know? Yeah. I'm not saying San Diego's not diverse, but it's just sure. not diverse as LA, you know? Right. And there's just always something going on here. So I just... Exactly. I Yeah, I love it now. And it's, like, home to me, in a sense. But yeah. But will always be home, but... For Um, sure. I think LA, it does, it grows on you. And I feel like it's about finding community. You know, one of the things about LA. Exactly what it's about. It totally is. And it's like you said, there's so much that you just discover every month, every year that you live there. And I think that feels so superficial. Because it was just so overwhelming. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what route to go. There's so many ways to like, you know, curate yourself. And like, yes, I think at the time when I first moved here, I was trying to like, force myself to be someone just because I was at this new school and like, you know, I was in a different city and I was on my own for the first time, like outside of home. But like, Mm -hmm. I think as time went, I just kind of unraveled as, you know, yeah, I went through the city and yeah, I found like a nice little community out here and it's like a vibe now for me. Right. And it's only going to get better. I feel like it really is that first two years. That's the tough part. Yeah. And like you said, like, I, I think it's interesting that you use the word route like all these different routes you can go through because oh, I think what really upends LA is the traffic. It's oh, the lack obviously. of public transportation for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can't even get to the people that you'd want to be around because right. you know they exist. <laughs> right. So it takes a while, but yeah, that's so interesting. You know, I would have thought that you growing up in San Diego, you would have been like stars in your eyes for LA. And what's interesting yeah. is as I've met San Diegoans, I don't know if that's like the term. San Diego. San Diegan, (laughs) you guys are like, oh, it's so superficial. It's not real. You have a really good take on LA, I think, even in different perception from the Bay Area. I feel like Bay Area people have a completely different perception of LA and they are more tolerable of it. But I find that San Diegans are more critical. Like they don't, they, they get what it is and they're not a part of it. Everyone knows what it is and what it's about and like the realistic of it. Like that's yes. how I, everyone knows it. Yes. Compared to someone who like moves here from like the middle of nowhere, they probably mm-hmm. have star eyes mm-hmm. and like expect X, Y, and Z. But like, you know, when you grow up in like California, like you kind of just know that it's like not all that, yeah, you know? For sure. And as somebody who grew up in the middle of nowhere, 
Right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I could I, attest. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I have to say, I don't think I had stars in my eyes for LA. My stars were for New York. Like right. my city was going to be New York. And right. so LA was like this complete diversion in my story. And it ended up being like the best thing for me, I think, because it, it, I couldn't create expectations of it. I didn't know what it was. And I didn't, it was such a last minute kind of change for me that I just kind of folded into it. And it was hard. I mean, I feel like we really connected throughout our time together because well, yeah, we would we just had- bitch together. I was like, what is going on with these people? And <laughs> like, I remember um, we had like classes together, I think every single quarter. Right. And I think like in the beginning, I remember like just hating LA and mm-hmm. then I just like towards the end, I just like loved it. Yeah. So well, how did your move affect that? Because at first you lived in Koreatown, right? You lived kind of close yeah. to downtown. Yeah. Then you yeah. moved. Where are you now? I'm currently in Mid City right now. Okay. Um, I'm actually in the middle of a move again. Are you? Yes. Um, it's been like very crazy, but um. Yeah, it's awesome, been awesome though. Um, it's a, a whole lot. story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a story for off the podcast, sure. Right, right. Um, but I—that's one thing I tell people too. Is LA is very like I had a a boss at one point in my LA journey, and he was from London, and he would tell me all the time like, moving to LA is not what I thought it was going to be because people are so separated here. Like you have to go from this little borough to that little borough. Yep. And they're not really called boroughs. Like it's just called like Santa Monica or West Hollywood or, you know, but it totally completely changes your experience of the city. Oh, 100%. And I lived in, right. And I lived in downtown the whole time. Out of all places. (laughs) So So. my perception was pretty bad the entire time. Well, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, how have you always been creative? Like, I want to know about more of your upbringing. Like, what was it like to grow up on the coast? Like, were you eating seaweed as a snack? Like, (laughs) I was eating Little Debbie's. Like, I'm from the Southeast. So we had Little Debbie cakes and Doritos. And I remember one of our first conversations was, like, you don't eat Little Debbie cakes? (laughs) And you were like, no, I ate, like, seaweed and had cotton, fresh cotton sheets. Right. (laughs) I mean, I don't want to say necessarily like I've been healthy my whole entire life, you know? Sure. Um, but I think, you know, I've I've always just kind of loved vegetables and fruits and like mm-hmm. feeding my body what it needs to be fed. Um exactly. but I, okay, I, <laughs> Right. I, I do love like my my junk food too, like pizza. Well, and- yeah. Yeah. But I think, but. I mean, that's such a Californian thing. Like you you guys have fresh vegetables in season year round. It's not sitting on a truck, you know, for four days right. by the time it reaches your grocery store. Right. So right. that changed my life. Like being able to go to Whole Foods year round and get like decent strawberries, like anytime. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like crazy. crazy to even think about like how different it is, just like Oh my God. Miguel, yeah. if you went to Kansas or Kentucky, you would fall out. I don't, I don't, I don't, know. Yeah, I don't even know tough. what I would do. Yeah. And I feel like for most Californians, that's a thing. Like yeah. when they leave California, they're like, okay, maybe California is not that bad. <laughs> right. Right. Cause you kind of get what you're paying for. But anyways, yeah. back to you. H- have you always been creative? Like when did yeah. your illumination start? So I think what I've always been creative, like my mom was a teacher 
Mm-hmm. And she was all about arts and crafts and like would bring it home. So like mm-hmm. I was always around like that. Like there's no other way to put it because like arts and crafts, like what it used to be called, you know? Yeah. Like the paper, the construction paper, the colors, the scrapbooking, like the OG, mm-hmm. like yes. creativity. For sure. And then I think like as I grew up, like things became a little more digital. So I like definitely loved getting like the best of both worlds of like, you know. Mm-hmm. what created like you know kids now they probably like open their ipad and exactly draw pen, you know for sure but like when it like we like got to like actually like do the og creativity stuff so yeah i've always been pretty creative and always into art mm-hmm. into like you know thinking of new things and like mm-hmm. myself through x y and z yeah uh, but always always been creative yeah same here i i was the kid that like the Barbies were okay. Like mm-hmm. I would, okay, I'll have a Barbie, but like, I really wanted arts and crafts. Like I wanted paper and pencils. And- my favorite place was Michael's. Yeah, same. Favorite place. Same. Like the sticker aisle. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Those like, little kits. Like I did not like those little like art kits. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yes. The things that like folded up and those like wacky little paints you would get. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I hated those. I wanted like the real. Yeah. And like. Same here. Yeah. Acrylics and ribbon mm-hmm. and glitter and googly eyes. Like I was yeah, just like obsessed. Like the easel. Give it to me all. Yep. The easel. Did yep. you have an easel growing I up? I had an easel, yeah. Shut up. I had one too. Yeah. That's the um, beginning of the VCOM journey is if you yeah. had an easel growing up, you you should go into visual communications. Right. Well, <laughs> my mom comes from like a family of painters. Oh. All of them were like big on painting. Like my grandma, great grandma, like oh. all of them. My grandma, my mom too. So like I was always just around stuff like that. Sure. Um, so I think it just kind of like fed into me as like who I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same here. You know, what's funny is my family's the opposite. They are not artistic at all. Like they didn't, my mom didn't understand. She was like, oh my God, she just wants paper. Like right. I was the kid, give me the cardboard box. Yeah. Like I'll make it into a little thing and then mm-hmm. I'll play teacher. Cause I played teacher growing oh, up. Oh, me too. Oh my God. I was I teacher. teacher. Like I wanted to be a teacher. Yep. Same. So bad. Same. I like my room was set up like a classroom. Literally same. Like mm-hmm. I had a desk and I had the little tapes that would say yep. like A, B, C, D. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. All. Did oh you, my God. Did you, I don't know if you had this growing up. Did you have the store called, um, what is it called? It starts with an L. Oh shoot. I forget. Um, it's like a teacher store where the teachers would go. Oh, you know what? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't think it was called the same thing in my town, but we definitely had a teacher store where yeah. you could go and get like everything, mm-hmm. like sticker books. And oh my God, the little thing that would take attendance. Yep. Oh my All God. I would be a teacher. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. I had a whole journey. Like I went to college, you know, I went, I was in psychology. Yeah. First. You were like at an actual university right like a four-year frat boys frat parties yeah kind of hetero cisgendered whole situation yeah 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 and um I was in psychology and I remember I told one of my advisors I was like I think I want to be like an interior designer like that was the closest I could come to like even anything creative because everything was so even marketing, yeah, yeah. Even marketing in those, you know, institutions is very business oriented. You know, yeah. stats, numbers. It's not really creative at all. Right. So, right. I had a whole awakening where I had to realize I was creative, and it kind of sounds like wow. you just folded into it, like you knew. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Oh and my like, gosh. Like we had like, you know, ceramics class and like mm-hmm. those arts crafts and like, yeah, it was like a thing in school, like growing up too. So it wasn't yeah. like an awakening essentially. Um, sure. Like it was just a part of your life. Yeah. That's so cool. I, I honestly think a lot of our art programs were cut. I remember doing ceramics like in middle school, like we had an mm-hmm. art class and we would yeah. scrapbook and, but that was like the one class I can remember that had art that was yeah. really focused on art. Um, so I think that's cool that you just, maybe that's the California way you're by the ocean. Thank everyone's you. more creative. Yeah. It just is a way of life. That's so cool. So one more question about LA. Do you like LA? Like, do you see yourself anywhere else? Um, you know what? I love LA. Mm-hmm. I do think that like, it's not forever. Oh, I this is new. Like, like, I feel like eventually like everyone gets sick of LA. You know, sure. I can see myself here for maybe like, a maximum of like 15 years but like okay you know like eventually when i want to retire and stuff like i will not be living here that's yeah sure, you know like i obviously want to travel and do all this stuff but like i think i always want to like maybe you know i want to create like curate a life here you know and right here i don't want to move home and like you know sure 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 um and it's just so close to home so i'm like might as well stay you know right well you that's know? nice like it's not this whole thing to go back home for you like right. you're Still like, connected to who you are in a way. Right, be home in like two hours. Yeah. Have you ever thought about like, would you go to the East Coast, like New York? Like, what's your take that's, on New York? That's the I like. The furthest east I've been is Vegas, so okay. I know nothing. East. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, yeah, like I know nothing east. Um, I don't know what the lifestyles like there, the culture. Right. Like, obviously, I know it's like diverse and like out there and like you know it's new york everyone has sure. a perception of new york right but i've never like even been or experienced been. new york to like yeah. even say or have a take on it yeah but um i just feel like i can't live there like yeah. i need my beach yeah i'm like i just i can't yeah you're a coastal guy yeah just your life that's yeah. the thing i really do think that you would love new york but you would definitely be a hamptons in the summer like Right. All the New Yorkers fly to the Hamptons. Like they're right. gone because it's like they need that piece of the coast. But you kind yeah. of, it's a part of your life. Like you need yeah. to be near it all the time. Mm-hmm. So that would be such a complete lifestyle change. No, 100%. That's why I can never like live there, I don't think. I yeah, mean, never you can't even picture that. it. Yeah, I can't even p- picture it. Wow. That's so crazy yeah. because I, when I was thinking about fashion schools, I was totally going FIT. Right. Like I wasn't even, I didn't even know if was a thing until I yeah. miraculously found it. And it ended up being the best because they accepted all my credits. They had right. that, you know, that program, you could get your bachelor's in two years. Right. Right. So right. CIS. yeah, we're both CIS Queens. Mm-hmm. So for anybody that doesn't know, it's creative industry studies. Um, yeah. And speaking of that, let's talk about VCOM. Let's talk about visual communicate. It's time. Oh it's time to just dive into uh, that. Um, <laughs> so if you, have you had to explain your degree to people yet? Like, what do you say to them? I just say like design. Right. Like, you know, like, cause like you apply to jobs and they ask and I'm like, right. I went to fit on my like majored in this. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's like, I don't really 
tell them the whole story and like give them a life story of what it was. Everyone right. just knows for them it's like a design school. So they just kind of assume like, oh, you can do that. You can do that. Right. Like, yeah, sure. Right. That's right. so funny. I, I've had to explain to people because I came back, like I'm currently in New Mexico. Right. So when I was applying here, they were like, what is that? Like what they had no concept. So like right. when you're in LA, people under, like you said, they know what FITM is, right. the influence of FITM, you know, okay, design, like whatever that means, that means they're a designer. Like I had to explain to people, I've had to develop what to say. And wow. so my latest thing has been a concept designer. Like yeah. we design concepts, like we create concepts, concept yeah. right. And we, we, you, they can be sold in films and music videos, or they could just be. Yeah. I don't know. It's so hard to describe because it's so intense and. And it's so broad. Yes. That's the thing. I yep. hate how broad it is because like you have to narrow it down to like one thing. Right. You what know, was your think, favorite class? You know Speaking what? Speaking of the broad. Right. Because we did like, I swear, like one quarter I was like doing digital marketing and then the second mm-hmm. quarter I was like painting. I was yeah. like, what? It um, was all over. No, yeah. I think I really enjoyed like those like, you know, those little filler PR classes like, oh, mm-hmm. like, it was cool at first and then it became very redundant. But um, I think a class I really enjoyed was SketchUp. Obviously. Yes. Like that one was so fun for me because it was just like it opened up a whole world. Yeah. Um, of like, you know, just visualizing a concept. Mm-hmm. I also really enjoyed um, those marketing classes because, you know, you got like a good insight of like how to market something. Yeah. And like how to like, you know, sell it. Yeah. You should explain to people that don't know, like what is SketchUp? SketchUp. Yeah. I was actually, I'm actually, I tried using it for like the job I'm at now. Did you? How'd it go? I tried like utilizing SketchUp. It didn't really work out because like, I needed to like utilize the warehouse. Anyway, it was Got a whole it. Thing. You need the pro version. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, SketchUp is basically like an interior design um, software where you can like build 3D models of something, whatever you want, honestly. Right. It's yeah. so fun. It's like playing Sims. Like, have no. you, did you ever play Sims growing up where you design yeah. the house? And mm-hmm. yeah, it's the best. And I think that's for so many VCOM people, it's such a great tool for like actually visualizing a space. Mm-hmm. which ties into experiential marketing, PR, yep. like when yep. they build those big sets at Coachella and right. White Fox Boutique is hosting XYZ, like SketchUp is such a good tool to see, right? to explain to people what you're seeing, because that's so much of what we do is explaining to other people yeah. what we're seeing and exactly. trying to get them to grant us trust mm-hmm. <laughs> with our process. So yeah, I agree. SketchUp, I loved. That was really fun, especially all those event marketing classes we had to take where we didn't know how to use SketchUp yet. Oh my God, don't even get me started on that. And so we're struggling in InDesign trying to build a studio set. It's a whole thing. It was a a nightmare. (laughs) It was truly a nightmare. So SketchUp was fun. I also love trend forecasting. Did you take that class? I took that class, but I, hot take, I did my own like the trend forecasting class didn't yes. really go into like what trend forecasting is and oh. the of it, you know? Got it. It's like, you know, the class you like do a macro trend, right. micro, whatever. Right. But like, I think there's just so much more beyond that to like what the class was. But yeah, I enjoyed that class. Sure. Well, that that's was the thing. first class I took at the school. 
Yes. Well, mm-hmm. and that's the thing. I think trend forecasting is such an elusive industry. Like nobody really knows what goes on. Right. I was introduced to it. You know, our favorite ever. Um, what is her name? Dinah. Gonna, no, <laughs> yes. Dinah and Simona, like the oh, best advisors yeah. and people at FITM ever. I don't even know if they're still there anywhere. They're probably not. Right. But they introduced me. Simona connected me. She would sit with me for hours at a time in her office. This is my friend, um, my basically my advisor for anybody who like doesn't know who Simona is, obviously. Right. <laughs> and she would be like, you want to be at the bones of the industry. Because I think everybody that goes into VCOM wants to be a stylist, even if they're not oh, thinking God, it, yeah. that's kind of why they're there. Right. Because that's like what we think is the epitome of, right. of VCOM is like manipulating clothing, styling it in new ways. And while styling is great, the industry needs to go on strike. I mean, they right. don't have benefits. Right. Like they're just out here trying to climb to the top and I don't want to deter anybody. Like if that's what you want to do, go for it. But for me, I realized I actually didn't like the functions of styling as much as I thought I was going to. Me too. So when I would talk with her, she would explain to me, Oh, you want to be like in the bones. Like you want right. to, un- you want to make people understand why pink is the color of the season. Like exactly. you want to be at the fashion shows doing write-ups on why the show went this way and the meaning of it all. And I was like, yes. Like she just read me and she was like, you should go into trend forecasting. And I was like, oh. Mm -hmm. And I took that class and I loved it. I think you're right. It doesn't really touch on the depths of trend forecasting. And honestly, depending on what teacher you get, (laughs) it was a different experience. Um, (laughs) I did my final project on maximalism, which is like my thing. Stop, you did not. Yeah, I did. What? Yeah. Why are we so in sync with everything? <laughs> it was maximalism. Wild. Yep, yep, same here. And I loved it. What did you learn about maximalism? We have to talk about that because I'm a maximalist. Are you? I know you are. I think, you know, I have a love-hate with it. I think some nights I am, some nights I'm not, you know? Got it. Got it. It's like a love-hate thing, but I think at the end of the day, it's just like... One day I am, one day I'm not, you know? Sure. Like you can Um, be a maximalist, but it's not like your absolute thing all the time. It's not like my brand, you know? Got it. For you, like it is. Right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I didn't even know what it was until I took that class actually. And it was my group members who like um, suggested that we do the project on that. And I was like, what, what is that? You know? Yeah. Um, and That's I funny. learned about it. There's just like so much color and so much texture and just so much going on at once. Yeah. You're just overwhelmed. But yes, it makes sense. Yeah. Like it's an overwhelming type of design that somehow comes together. Yeah. Like it, it looks like it shouldn't go together, but it does. Yes. Um, when I was doing that project, I was one who suggested for my group to do maximalism and they were like, okay, okay whatever. Um, but it ended up being so cool because we connected it back to kind of the arts and crafts movement for people that are not in the creative industry and they don't understand design. These are art movements that um, are very connected to the wealthy, like the extremely wealthy, like they had wallpaper and they had pictures on the wall and it was very, very well. And we know all about Alice. Oh my God. I forgot about Alice. (laughs) That's kind of a little inside joke, but me and Miguel did a whole project on Alice in Wonderland and we had to go into the arts and crafts movement and 
try to find, you know, it's all, it's florals and it's this, yeah, this insane opulence that only rich people could afford. But what happened was in the turn of the century, you know, in America, when people could afford homes and, you know, um, consumerism really began, a lot of people started over designing their homes. Like it finally became, we can be maximalist now because we can afford basic necessities. Right. So that turns into your grandma's curtains and, you know, the fake fruit. Did your grandma have have fake fruit on the counter? No. Really? Yeah, no. My grandma would have like fake grapes just sitting around and you Uh couldn't touch them. They would get dusty and you'd have to dust them off. Oh, really? Yeah, because the whole thing was like over opulence. Like it's fake fruit. It's not real. Like, I mean, it's warm. It's inviting. (laughs) What? We had like real fruit on the counter. (laughs) Right. California. Right. (laughs) Right. No, but the whole thing is like these overindulgent kind of um, optics. So even if it's not real fruit, it looks like the fruit basket is always full. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I don't know. It's interesting. Millennials are really getting into that. They're calling it grand millennial, like grandma millennial, where they take back from their grandmother's design styles. I don't know. I'm super into it because this is my aesthetic. Like I'm obsessed. So anyway, Miguel's like, I'm asleep. (laughs) But yeah, trend forecasting was my favorite. I also loved color theory. What did you think about color theory? So I actually got that class waived and did not have to take it. Shut up. Yeah. So how did you get it waived? I like I took an art class at like the community college I was at, and I guess it like over it like waved it. Got it. So, um, I didn't have to take color theory. That makes sense because that is kind of like fine arts one hundred and one. You paint yeah, the wheel. It was giving, and... Like this is orange. Yeah. Right. So at Finham, it's super intense. You would have hated it. I honestly think you would have hated it because Probably. we had to mix the colors, Miguel, and she would come around and be like, "Nope, that's not the right shade of purple." Right. And then we had to take, we would paint these chips. There's jobs like that, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, colorists. right, right. Um, she would come around and we'd paint these chips for classes and classes in a row. And then we'd have to put it in a wheel. But it was like, we had. it was so, it was just too much. And we had a test at the end. She would tell us like, what is the tint of black adjacent to a yellow orange? And we had to paint whatever color that was. Oh, God. Yeah, it was... It was for real intense, but I will yeah. say this. I can see the color wheel in my mind. Like when I'm designing, what's the I compliment? Love like, let's figure it out. Yep. I love that. Yeah. So I'm obsessed with color. You know, this podcast is all about color. Right. <laughs> so let's talk about postgrad because Ugh. a lot of people, you know, freak out and say, oh, you're going to hate it and your right. life's going to be over and your friends are going to be gone. But right. Because you went to a fashion school, I love postgrad. Right. Like I'm I feel like I can live my life. I feel like I can move a little bit differently. Sure, life is not always peachy. Right. But I feel like there's more freedom. Exactly. Um what do you think? Yeah. Well, for me, I don't know if you remember, but I remember in After Effects in January, I was applying to jobs like every single Yes. Class. Because it was a six-hour class. We were just sitting on the computer. Mm-hmm. I was applying to jobs since January. And, you know, it's just like the never-ending chase of, like, I yeah. need a job, you know? Mm-hmm. And then post-grad comes around, you know, you celebrate graduation. And mm-hmm. then I think the next weekend for me, it was, like, Pride weekend. So I was yeah. just, like, 
party, 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 like summer, 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 cute, mm-hmm. cute, cute. And then like, <laughs> July rolled around and I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? Right. Um. So yeah, it's been very stressful, but you know, like things are starting to align. Good. I'm like, don't have so much doubt on myself anymore. You know, it's just like a roller coaster of like, emotions of like oh my god what am i supposed to do i'm not in school you know i kind of missed the excuse of like oh i have class you know right like the structure Um, right like a structure and like a laid out map for you and like it's the first time you don't have a map laid out in front of you yeah and like what do i do do i move back home do i travel do i try and stay here in la and get a job like there was just so many options and like you know i think for me at the end of the day i obviously wanted to stay here in la so i went on the job hunt and freelancing my way around LA. <laughs> oh, good. Wait, tell us about that. How is freelancing going and how so, is your new yeah. job? So yeah, I currently have two jobs right now. I'm, still at, I'm still at Urban Outfitters. Okay, period. And then I just got a gig in um, product development and awesome. it has hints of trend forecasting in there, which Yum. I like. Um. But I'm also still interviewing places. Um, Got it. With the ball rolling on like something a little more sturdy. Sure. But I personally enjoy this freelance thing because I go to my boss and mm-hmm. another project, another project, you know? Yeah. I just keep getting projects. Um, so it's really cool. Um, That's great. Yeah. it's It touches on a lot of product development and like the specs of something and like how many seams it has. Like the like it, it analyzes the product. Got it. How got it. Is, what color? What fabric? What's this? And like, how is this version going to turn into the next version based on what's trending now? Got so it. Oh, it, like you know, you put a little deck together on Canva, make it look pretty, and they eat it up. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Canva. I, right. I think it's so nice to actually see like stuff we did in school translated into a job, and like, oh yeah, it paid for it. Oh, hell yeah. Like, we made mood so boards in every cool. class. Like we did branding oh, yeah. in every class. Even if it wasn't a branded class, a class about marketing, we had to brand everything. Right. So it yeah. totally helped, especially the presentations, pitching an idea. Oh my God. Yeah. That is so cool. I feel like I also love freelancing because there's an end date. Like I'm not here yeah. until I'm 40. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm actually working for a FITM alum. So we like bonded Stop. over that like quick. That's um, good. Yeah. So it's it's pretty cool, but I'm still, you know, you know, LA's expensive. You just right. work. Right. So at but, one point I'll probably have like four jobs the next time you talk to me. Oh my gosh. Well, I hope not that. But right. you know, this I always think like, especially in a city like LA, it's it feels so hard to break into the industry. But yeah. this connection of this alum working for her or him, sorry, I didn't ask the gender. Right. Um will turn into so many other things. Exactly. Like you'll meet other people through them. You'll they'll you'll be introduced exactly. to that, introduced to that. And I feel like it it happens a lot quicker in the city. Exactly. And then you're just like, oh how like people ask, oh like, oh, how do you get in the biz? How do you get with the industry? And like sometimes you're just like freelancing one thing after another. You're like, wait, I'm in it. Right. You know? So um and like I think one thing that I'm gave us was the connections. Oh heck know? yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, I um, I've already been reaching out to the alums. I feel like every time I go on, speaking of, there's an incredible position with Urban Outfitters. I think Urban, I forget what they're, what they're, who they're owned by, but their headquarters is in Pennsylvania or Philadelphia or something. Yeah, they're all based in Philly. 
Yeah. They have the coolest jobs, Miguel. Like they do, yeah. Oh, if I wanted to live in Philly, I would be applying left and right. They have like right. junior art director, like mm-hmm. and no experience. Like just come right. learn for the summer. They have a huge internship program. Yeah. So I've been looking into that. And of course it says fit them, fit them, fit them, fit them, fit them. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's All like well, that's nice. Yeah. So what would be your dream job? Like if you thought about have you thought more about like what you want to do and what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think we all, you know, want to work within this you know, creative industry. I think something mm-hmm. for me that I would like thrive in would be something along the lines of how products are continuing to sell, essentially. Okay. So you have like hints of marketing, hints of trend forecasting, mm-hmm. knowing what's trending, how it's selling, what's not, like how this cycle operates, I guess. I don't even know what word or, you know, job role title that would be. Yeah. Something along the lines of like how this cycle of design and fashion and like Mm -hmm. why people like eat it up. Like why is it continuing to cycle? Right. Like why, like, like what is it, you know, just like analyzing the the overall consumption of fashion. Yes. You know, what's a good industry. Yes. You know what's really good that you could look into is merchandising. Um, That was my first job in LA. Like when I was at school, I was working this part-time like warehouse gig for Crossroads. Oh, you know what? I remember that. Yes. And I never never expected to see how much of the fashion cycle happens. If you're unaware, Crossroads is kind of like a – it's not a thrift store, um, but it's secondhand. And the whole premise is that – not only do they, you can you go in and sell your clothing directly, like a Plato's closet. The benefit of Crossroads is they're also merchandising, meaning they're buying the excess consumption in the industry. Right. So we were walking around downtown LA with carts Ooh. and putting clothes in it and buying it off of the um, these large like wholesalers Ooh. that sell it to free people that sell it to urban outfitters. It's an insane industry. Yeah. Um, and all of the merchandisers or the head buyers, they're called buyers. They know each other. Yeah. And the competition is stiff. I mean, it's, it's a really cool. So if you want to learn more about like the life cycles of fashion, they also need trend forecasters. Like yeah. they work really closely with the trend forecasters because they want to make sure that what they're buying will sell because they don't have huge volumes like H&M or these like right, fast fashion retailers. Right. So they've got to be like very on the nose of what people want. Right. So it's a lot of psychology. It's so cool. But there's that's just one facet of what you could do with VCOM. Yeah, it's just so crazy how much goes into something that seems so small from like the consumer. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. crazy. It yeah. is so crazy because you're behind the scenes of like, you know, from that little like belt that you got at like mm-hmm. Zara, like you know everything that went into like the production of that belt and the color of the belt. And like, mm-hmm. you know, like people just don't get it. And some no. people do, but like it's just so crazy because like some it's just like mind blowing. Yeah. Is that what you're learning in your product development? Yeah. I mean, like the project I'm doing now, I had to like analyze this whole like thing and I was like you know I had my little tape measure out and I was doing every little thing I was like you know googling so much stuff and like put it all into like a deck made it look pretty obviously but like just the research that goes behind like something like oh let me just get like 
let me just pick this up at the store, you know? Yeah. Like, like a little so belt. much into that. Like you have no idea. Oh yeah. And the tech packs. Oh yep. Yep. All the measurements yeah. and the, it's crazy. The width and the height and yeah. the type of fabric and materials they're yeah. using, where they're getting it from. Is it sustainable? Is it like organic? Like you need to know all of it yeah. in order for it to be produced for your yeah. plant. So. Right. It's because just so now, fun. right. And now consumers know about that. They know that they're starting to know about that. Right. They don't but know, but like, they don't know. Of course they don't know. But right. in terms of like greenwashing, I think right, that they right, can get, right. um, yeah, they can get confused. That I don't want to say they get confused, but they're being, um, yeah, I think, yeah, they're more cautious. And I think that's a big thing for, especially small brands. Like I can't speak for like huge retailers that sell. Right across the world like that's that doesn't apply but for like small brands like when people go oh i want to start a clothing company i'm like do you even know what goes right. into that <laughs> right 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 like i see so many influencers starting clothing companies have you right. noticed that and then they close them yep. very shortly after because it's so yeah. much work they and it's not even like, yeah it's not even like degree work it's like you have to find the wholesaler and the, they have to make the blanks and they have, it's yeah. so much back and forth and it's a yeah. huge operation. Even if you're just selling like athletic wear or t-shirts. Right. So anyways, that's just my little tangent on that, but I think that's it's cool. A lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot, but I think that's a great place for you to start. I, I honestly, I loved yeah. Yeah. starting in Martin merchandising with crossroads because I, understood like the behind the curtain of fashion in the industry yeah, you get that behind the scenes stuff because like yeah. it's so cool like i've done like digital marketing internships i've done like styling internships i've done mm -hmm. pr internships i work retail like some of it stuck out to me but like this one it's just super cool because you get to like really analyze the function of you know like you said behind the scenes yeah it's not like oh steam this you know what i mean right it's but like I feel a, like a more analytical and critical thinking that goes into it. Right. And even if you were to pivot into a stylist again, or, right. you know, into any, you'll understand the life cycle, like yep. the amount of stylists that don't even understand how the fashion industry works. Like right. they only understand the process and the passing of clothing. Right. Like they don't even understand, like, where did that piece come from? Who is selling it? Right. Did the wholesaler Who, sell like, it what? to them? Right. Right. Who, what, and how? Right. Right. And also just the brands, like what do the brands stand for? Like I've, I've been at home with my mom and we've been having all these conversations about clothes and the way they fit. And I have to explain to her how insidious the fashion industry is about making any woman over 25 feel like something's wrong with them because they can't fit into, like they weren't made for you. They literally only make clothes for 15 year olds. Like, right. Everything is about the prime consumer that fits a certain aesthetic and look and appeal. Yeah. yeah. Right. So that's so cool. I'm excited to hear that you're dipping your toe into everything dipping because into everything. Yeah. Yeah. Because so many people like limit themselves, like the amount of people mm -hmm. even admit them that only wanted to be stylists. Yeah. Like that's why they were there. Yeah. And I was like, everything was like a rude awakening for me. Like when we took styling, I was like, I hate this. Right. And I, I won't schlep clothes from place to place and dry cleaner to dry cleaner. Like that's just not my mission. Some people like it, but it's just like, it wasn't for me. Right. 
I think it's about like a final look, which for some people, that's huge satisfaction. I mean, it would be a huge satisfaction too. And like how much thought went into one look. And like, it's so much more than like what it is. But like, I just personally, like, I didn't want to pursue it because I, I just, yeah. Well, I feel like styling myself is fun, but I've come to a point where I'm like, I don't know about styling other people. That's yeah, <laughs> myself is enough. Right, like you know what? I'll I'll let you guys pick out your own clothes. Yeah, <laughs> I feel so like funny. I think we spoke on this a bit too. I think the styling industry is going to die out. You did okay. So tell us your theory on that because I feel like I'm starting to see it. I personally feel this is just my thought that stylists are going to kind of like like that's not going to be a job anymore. Right. You know, like it's not going to be like a thing anymore. I feel like beca- people are becoming their own stylists, and there's so many like different perceptions that people throw out there. And like, if you think about it, in like a couple of years, like people our age aren't going to want people telling us what to wear. You know, right? You know, I think we have like a mind of ourselves of like knowing what we like. Yeah. So I just think like stylists are just going to like maybe die out. But like, if you think about it, like. Um, some stylists like become stylists and then they like make a brand for themselves from that. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're they're a brand after that and they don't rely on styling anymore. They become right. a brand and like have like a they make their own clothing line because they understand because they went through all that. So right. I don't know. There's just like um I don't know that I it's like such a hard thing to analyze because like like you know, in 20 it, years, do you think a 20-year-old is gonna be running around LA like well, and I think that teamwork and stuff like right. it's just hard to think about like having that cycle of stylists like continue, right? Because it's I just think gonna be it, so overwhelming because everyone's going to want to be one, right? And I think what it does to your point is it broadens the gap between stylists, like celebrity stylists, and then stylists yeah, because it's the like same thing as like yeah, right? But it's even like think about the film industry right now. Like they're striking, the celebrity mm-hmm. actors are having to help strike because there's so many actors who are not celebrities who aren't making millions of dollars and they have to have restaurant jobs and like people don't understand yeah. the behind the fold. And I feel right. like styling is the same way. It's viewed as a trade, kind of like a makeup artist or a hairstylist. Yep. So the industry has never supported them. And now to your point, there's social media. Like somebody in Kentucky can dress like somebody in California. Somebody or, in California and like on TikTok and give a take. You know exactly, exactly. Um, so much prop to stylists though. Like I know so many. Like so many of my friends are stylists, and like, yeah, they go through so much just to get like a final look. Oh yeah, it's like a, such a beautiful cycle, but at the same time, it's a lot. It is a lot. And I think if it's if it's the kind of a lot you're looking for, because this whole industry is a lot, it's but if it's lot. the kind of a lot you're looking for, it'll make sense. But it doesn't make sense. make sense to me. Why would I argue with you over a pair of jeans? Like, wear, just wear them then. Right. <laughs> like, you know what? I And I wanted to ask you this too, because I think a lot of the creative industry is a balance between do you want to be on camera or behind the scenes? Right. And it feels like a lot of times you can't be both. And influencing has changed that because now the influencer can be behind their own mission, their own project, and they can be the face of it. Like Kim Kardashian, the Kardashian family, they changed all of that. And so it makes me think like, 
sometimes I'm like, I don't think I want to be behind the scenes forever. Like, what do you think? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think like everyone starts behind the scenes and then eventually you kind of trinkle your way into something a little more, you know, something you want. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I think like you said, like you don't want to be behind the scenes forever, but I think at the same time, like the thought of just like being behind the scenes and, you know, living your life and just doing your own thing. It sounds kind of nice. Yeah. You know, like just like free like, of like, the BS. Yep. Just freeing mm-hmm. the BS and like doing your own thing behind the scenes and like mm-hmm. comprehending it and getting it. And, you know, the right. girls that get it are the girls that get it. The girls that don't are the girls that don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause not everyone can do the whole behind the scenes thing. Right. Well, and that's my thing. Like, would you ever do anything on camera? Like, do you see yourself being, mm-hmm. I don't know about an internet. <laughs> Did you say me? <laughs> okay, so maybe no. See, I go back and forth. Like, I want to be the brains of the operation, but I right. also like want to be on camera. You don't want to be on camera? <laughs> I mean, not necessarily. Like, I mean, like, I'll do like a couple like modeling gigs and stuff here and there just because yeah. it like pays the bills or like I need money, but it's not something I'm like passionate about and like want to pursue. Got it. Like yeah, it's not your it's- whole thing. It's fun and it's cute and like I can look back and be like, oh, this, that, you know, but it's not like my dream, you know? Right. It would be cool though. Right. Well, it's I just think like, it- I am like, I like to be realistic with myself too. Like, I don't want to pursue something that's like, not necessarily out of my own reach, but like, I want to mm. be a superstar. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. I see what you're lot. saying. It's a lot. It is a lot. And it, I think it's, um especially when you go through a classical kind of program like FITM when you're learning the industry from this academic viewpoint. um, And when you understand fashion or you understand the industry a different way, I I have the same tendency like, Oh, I just kind of want to be the brains. Maybe like be respected in the industry. Like maybe that's the goal, but I don't want to be out on like the silver screen, like an actor or a model. Like I, I gave that up too. I was like, oh, I can't do I'm modeling. So like no one can do it. It's just, I think that lifestyle is not for me. Yeah. Seems like it just gets overwhelming at some point. For sure. And like, I like doing my own thing. Okay. I'm Aquarius. I like doing my own thing. R- right. Aquarius. <laughs> hey, Aquarius that's right. House. Exactly. I know we should have talked about that more. I feel like, well, first of all, I'm a Virgo and you're an Aquarius. And I don't even know. I feel like Virgo and Aquarius are the most unlikely of friends. I think so too. I don't really know many Virgos. (laughs) Right. I'm I'm the only Virgo friend. I don't know. I think, and you know, it's interesting. I've always attracted Aquariuses. Like my first boyfriend was an Aquarius. I've had like, isn't that bizarre? Right. That is so funny. It's like, I should probably go study that somehow. Yeah. But anyways, I one last question, and then I think we can wrap it up. Okay. How, how do you feel about your authenticity? Like, where are you with Miguel? Ooh, I definitely think that LA was a very great place to unravel that. Because mm-hmm. you know, I moved to LA when I was 20. Yeah, um, young. Very young. And that's like, imagine like a 20-year-old in LA right. like, alone. Like I had so much freedom mm-hmm. to like express myself and like who I am and like what I want to do and like, you know, 
the people I surround myself with, I'm like, I feel like I don't really have like any bad blood with anyone. I like to just like be friends with everyone, you know? Mm-hmm. So I Aquarius. think, right. And I think LA like brought to me so many different personalities at once. It was kind of For overwhelming. Sure. So it was just kind of like nice to, you know, explore everyone and everything and just kind of see that. But I definitely think if you were to tell me that I would have loved LA when I first moved here, I would have laughed. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were really in the trenches. I mean, I remember that was what we would talk about. Like, yeah, like it's so it superficial. Not, yeah. What's going on? Um, but yeah, I definitely love it. And, you know, as we grow up, we become more of who we are, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we like learn and grow. And I think it's super cool to just, it's like a fun place to be, to be in your 20s, I think. Yeah. So I think it has a, such a huge impact of like who I am. For sure. You know? For sure. And to be so young and like you said, have so much. In a big city, you have so much freedom. Like, you know how many people, like, I don't want to sound like to toot my own horn, but you know how many people would kill for this? Yeah. You know? Like, it's crazy. So I definitely, like, utilize where I am and, like, live day by day and just I'm grateful for it. And it's really cool. That's amazing. So LA is becoming a part of your authenticity. It's, It's involving in your story. Yeah, it is for sure. That's good. And I think too, like once I figure my stuff out and like get a job and like, it's, you know, there's so much to do. Yeah. Um, I can finally like let loose and relax for a bit, but you know, that post-grad is very, very stressful. Yeah. So, wow. You find it stressful. That's so, and I, for me, it, it just ebbed and flowed. I think for me, it's stressful because I like need to like support myself mm-hmm. financially so you're i'm just kind of like i need like three jobs right and, like it's just so stressful right mm-hmm. and getting people to like take a chance on you right That's but it is part. it is super fun because i'm not saying it's like fun the stress is fun but like it's <laughs> super fun because like you get to like you know try different things out here and there mm-hmm. and, like, and you're around people that are in the same boat right and it's another beauty of like being so young you have so much time and freedom to utilize that youth yeah i agree are well, you moving is- back to la anytime oh my gosh i don't think so miguel What's the tea? i so okay here's the tea with me in la right i had a love-hate relationship we know hated it in the everyone beginning. knows right because <laughs> i was telling everybody i hate LA. i hate LA. right um i you know i would go back to la like maybe mid twenties and just have like a baller moment. Like I can see myself there with like a big job, but like my connection to LA was New York, you know, like I, I went to New York, made a lot of money and then kind of in playing with it in LA. Like that's how I could see it. But you know, the way you feel about San Diego is the way I feel about the East coast. It's just the energy. It's a completely different culture. Everyone's really about it when they say it. Like LA was, I don't know. But at the same time, I didn't really venture out that much. I feel like that is really what affected my view of LA. Probably. And I lived downtown. So my whole life was, I mean, it was kind of dark at times, you know? So I don't know. I'll have to get back to you on that because I feel like. 
part of me is over, but I don't want to be over it. Cause also all of you guys are there like Natalia and Jose and like yes, all of these people I was that I finally with both, connected actually. with. Shut up. I was just with Natalia on Friday and then I saw Jose. I spent 4th of July with him. Oh, see, like yeah. I miss that. Like I finally, you know, I'm one of those people that the whole time I do anything, I'm like, I'm so different. Nobody gets me. And then when I finish it, I'm like, oh, oh my God, I have so many friends. Like right. <laughs> I'm so dramatic in that way. So dramatic. <laughs> so, okay. Well, first off, last thing I'm going to say, this is the last, last. Okay. <laughs> Olympics is coming to LA 2028. Oh, I did hear about that. So keep your apartment open. I'm coming to stay with you. LOL. So We're doing Olympics. The of a move. It's a whole thing. Oh my God, my God. Well, you have to tell me off the pod because yeah. I have a feeling it's a lot of nuance here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Miguel. This was so of great. Course, my it first, was so fun. My first and most memorable person I think I met at fashion school. I'll mm-hmm. give you that title. Most memorable. Yeah. I love that. All right, you guys. That is Miguel Velasquez. And I'm hoping that there is so much more of him on this podcast because he is such a treasure. He's a true character and very memorable. Like I said, he's the most memorable person I met at fashion school. And like I said, so much of our journeys were interconnected. You could hear in this podcast that our childhoods had the same similar experiences, you know, with the crafts and the creativity. And I don't know, I've just learned so much from him about tenacity, you know, diving into anything and making it the best that it can be. I've learned a lot about that from him, especially like as an Aquarius, he is a true Aquarius. I've learned so much about Aquarians from him, their ability to be super social, but also super grounded. I don't know how they do it. I really don't. I'm a Virgo. So I need like specific instructions for everything. Um, anyways, this was fun. I'll see you next Friday. New episodes drop every Friday. Bye-bye.